Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined on the show this week by Fiona Hogarth. Hey, Fee. Hey, Dom. Got a question for you. Okay. Which is, you know, often with culture work in organizations, we talk about building momentum, getting support. And a, a point we often talk about is, you know, I often say is consultants are awesome. I'd say that. But I can't change your culture for you. You know, it's really ultimately got to be owned by people internally. We can bring some expertise and tools and techniques and whatever, but it's got to be owned by people internally. And I'd say the same also applies to the HR team or the people and culture team, right? They're there to provide expertise and guidance and tools and all that stuff. But if it just sits with them, it's not going to fly, right? You need to get people involved from across the organization. So my question for you, that was a long-winded way of asking you, how do you build that group across the organization, that support base from across the organization? Who should we be looking for? How do you bring them in? All that kind of stuff. What, what do you reckon? Yeah, great question, Dom, and really key and just interesting to ask that because I was just reading Sean McCarthy's article recently about how do you, how do you get the CEO engaged, you uh-huh. know, and so that's one level. You've got them, the CEO's on board, but yeah, they've bought into it. But actually, you know, Doesn't HR, go it's your gig yeah. and you've got the data and you've shared it. Yeah, how do you get people involved? Great question. And no one way as, you know, all things happen, but it just makes your life so much easier if you've got, you know, as I say, you've got your posse together. How do you get them? Who do you ask? And it's because it's the shared energy and it's, you know, everybody's fingerprints are on the culture. So how do you get everyone involved or find those key starters? So, so what do you reckon? What do you advise clients who are sort of doing culture work and it's like, yeah, we, we're thinking about putting a team together, you know, across the organisation, what what are your sort of hot tips for them? So, you know, unsurprisingly, first one's like find out the people who are interested, you know. So when you're having those conversations, we're thinking about doing this or people who are supportive of change programs or who might have some good ideas. So start with those positive minds or the ones that are a bit interested in growth and development of themselves or the organisation, you know, so the positive influences within the group, the ones that have got, you know, wow, that sounds like a great opportunity. Let me get involved from that perspective. And they don't have to be in HR. So even, you know, when you're in an organization, you know who the people are, generally if you're out and about, who the people are across the organization who are the energy bunnies and who are really interested and who are quite proactive and are probably the constructive leaders. And they don't all have to, you know, they can be from all levels is the other piece, I think. You know, who are the engaged leaders? Who are the proactive leaders? Who are the proactive employees? Who are your key influencers? Yeah, that, that's what I was going to be at. They can be from all levels, but they need to have influence. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of the people others are drawn to, you know, opinion leaders, I yeah. suppose, or yeah. stuff yeah. like that, yeah. Yeah, so there's an element of that, you know, and even, yeah, who are the influencers, you know, like the guy, remember years ago, the guy that who looked after the carpool because he saw everyone. Yeah, right, interesting. So he, you know, he was the king of the gossip, but, you know, use your powers for good as well as evil. <laughs> um, but, you know, he knew everyone. Uh-huh. So if I wanted to send a, a message across the organization, I'd go and have a chat with Chris. That's interesting. Yeah, I like that. Because he saw everyone and he was chatty and, you know, highly affiliative and all that uh-huh. sort of stuff. So plant the seed there, you know, or the other people, you know, the cleaners. Yeah, right. 
because everyone engages with them. Yeah, interesting. As well as, you know, those really positive role model leaders, those sorts of things. So, yeah, start with those, you know, a lot of the, the positive vibe people and suss them what, out. What, what about, Fee, because sometimes people say with change in general, you know, you get the naysayers on board and if you can kind of convince them, then, you know, you'll be away. Like, Yeah. What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I, you can't get them all, but I think one or two isn't necessarily a bad thing. The challenge, I even think of my own experience in doing some of this, is they will sap your own energy. So, you know, you've got to, you've got to be up for it. But if you turn them, you know, or get them to understand is probably, it's not about, you know, what's your objective? Oh, I don't want them to be singing to the rooftops, but I want them to understand. So it's a bit having them in the tent rather than outside the tent and getting one or two. But, and the other thing is, though, that some of those, the naysayers can be really valuable because they are the ones that are testing your hypotheses and all that sort of stuff through their pushback that help you consolidate your argument a little more or your point that you're trying to make or yeah. get them across. So. Choose them wisely. Don't pick the biggest naysayer and be prepared for it. But I think there is some, you know, I've had some naysayers in groups and I've turned a couple of them around. Not all, you know, success rate isn't always fantastic, but it does make a difference. I don't know. Like part of me, because I get the theory of it, but what if you don't turn them? Yeah. You know, I I guess it's like if they are mission critical because of who they are for some reason, then I guess you're going to have to get them on board. Yeah. But if they're not, I would tend to not go there because, you know, sometimes I think when we try to change culture, when people try to change culture, they aim at the middle or even the the detractor, you know, the naysayers. But I reckon really we want to change the way we're thinking about it to how do we build the wave, right, rather than in the middle. And, And that is your early adopters, so your people who are up for it, they've got the energy, they're enthusiastic about it. Get them going. They bring on, you know, the... There's that like graph, the early mainstream yeah. or whatever, and then the early mainstream brings on the, the mainstream and then they bring on the late adopters. And maybe you're going to have some who just never want to get on board no matter what. You know, Even though we've built the wave, we've built the momentum, they just don't want to get on board. But I think you, you start that wave rather than aiming at the middle, that's hard to move. Yeah. Aim at the ones who are up for it. They start moving it for you and Absolutely. then it catches. Yeah, work where the energy is is often what I say and to the point around the naysayers, yeah, you might want to bring one or two in and I would say choose them wisely and what do you want them? What are you wanting them there for? And there's probably an element even in recruiting any of the – getting your posse together is having the conversation and going, are you up for it rather than, oh, just because, you know, you're super chatty with everyone – I want you to be part of it, is getting the volunteers rather than the voluntold. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I'm creating this. You seem really interested in it and I need some support and this is what I'm going to need or whatever it is so that they're a bit, you know, because everyone's got jobs and they sometimes they can feel here's another job I've got to do where actually what you're doing is you're enlisting support, enlisting support for yourself, in, you know, sometimes for yourself if you're in that, if you're the person that's got the, project of culture how do you enlist support for yourself so that it builds that and then it's again you know coin the hs ripples out but it's about yeah what this is what i want you to do you seem really keen are you interested can i just bounce some ideas off you or when we did the debriefing you had some really great suggestions i want to talk with you about would you be prepared to share you know so it's about enlisting and encouraging and bringing them with you rather than conscripting them. Yeah, it's um, 
And I think on that is being upfront of what is the ask. Yeah, yeah. You know, like is it an hour a week? Is it, you know, is there a crunch time? Like what is the ask of them specifically? Yeah. And, and being real about that mm. so people don't sort of turn around and be like, oh, I didn't realize this was such a big thing. You know, and it doesn't have to be. It, it's chaos. I've had ones before, like uh, I worked with one company who just had awesome, awesome people really up for it. Weren't from HR, so they're just like people from across the business. But they're so interested. They're listening to episodes of Culture Bites. They were like, oh, I had a question about this and that, like when I'd see them the next time. And it was awesome. And they took it away and they had fun with it. And what, what I liked was they sat within their business unit and so they could kind of talk to their world. Yes. And so here's what it means for us and this is why it matters and this is how it shows up. And, and also my sneaky little plan is by teaching them a bit about culture is you've got people who are now in the meetings where the decisions are being made and you know, how are we going to do this thing? They're there to ask that question of like, what message do we send when we make this decision or we do it this way? And so it's sort of a, a sneaky little forward-looking play of you want people throughout the business who have that mindset of just like what's the knock-on effect of mm. this on the expectations of behavior. Yep. And even some of those, when you've got those people across the business and they talk about things and you can go, yeah, well, that's actually an example of conventional. So when somebody, when you're talking about, well, there's the example. So they can, you know, so part of it's about how do you join the dots for them as well so that they can spread it, you know, because often, you know, you if you're the accredited practitioner, you've got the examples in your head. But when people talk about stuff is how do you join the dots for them and what are the stories and you know, those sorts of things that people are telling. You know, yeah, that's actually, that story that you just told me, that's all about the oppositional stuff. That's the bit about, you know, wow, that's a really constructive story that you're telling. That's what good looks like. Keep repeating that, you know, and so that people connect with it. So as part of that influencing group, you know, one of, what's the ask is you want to help, you know, as the educator. So when I hear that, that's that. Yes. Call so, it so out. So they're making the connections. Yeah, yeah. true. Yes. And I like, you know, particularly for us, I guess, as external consultants, I'm not an expert in their business and, and how they do stuff. I don't know. So I can tell you what the, the results of the survey are saying and what that indicates, yep. but it's getting people to help you fill in the color. Yeah. And it's awesome. They'll come up with examples, you know, like I was with one where they had like a street team and there was a licensing system and because it was about what gets rewarded, what gets punished. And they're saying it was like license. So you got you got points on your license if you did the wrong thing until your license got suspended, kind of wow. stuff. So it's like, what's the message, right? That we're sending: don't take a risk, don't do anything. You shouldn't, you know, like keep it safe. And guess what? Wasn't that effective because people would, wouldn't, you know, try anything. anything. Yeah. So, but I would never know that, right? I could tell you what the survey says. Hey, there's a bit of green here. People yeah. feel like they need to hold back. Yeah. But it was just those. Beautiful stories, you know, where it just illustrated it really clearly. Everyone can see that. Like, huh, yeah, yeah, I could see how that message was broadcast that way. And that's why it's so powerful to have people from across the organization who can talk to their context. And that's also where sometimes the naysayers can be useful because they they can often be the examples of the negative, you know, the some of the defensive styles or the oppositional mm story because they're just pushing back and so it might highlight for them about well actually you know what did you do there and where else does that happen so you know how do you leverage them but it's it is yeah does take more energy absolutely if you turn them that's great yeah what else should we be thinking of with our co or what do we call them 
our group, our posse. Yeah. Um, I guess it's, yeah, time being clear about the ask and the expectation and, you know, and also what support might they need as well and asking them, you know, as it starts growing, you know, what do you need to help do that? You know, how do you resource them if that's what's required in terms of, you know, development guides or whatever to help build their understanding using the podcast, those sorts of things. I think there's an element of that. And I think there's also piece about how do you recognize and acknowledge them as well as part of the staff or how do you, you know, what ideas have you got mm. that we can use to help disseminate this information across the organization? Mm. And, you know, so it might be, well, in our part, we have a sausage sizzle every once a month. Let's leverage the sausage sizzle to do something. Yeah, that's an awesome point. You know, what are the practicalities of rolling out survey yeah. results and action planning and all that kind of yeah. stuff in your part of the business? Yeah, because you're not all going to sit in a room and look at a PowerPoint deck. But if you some stand, might, yeah, you know, but others can't. Yep, stand around and let's have a conversation around a sausage sizzle about what frustrates you or what do you enjoy, and then you go, well, you know, all that stuff that you don't get to see anyway. Well, that's this. It's a great point. I remember working with a hospital system who had academics as well, you know, and so the academics they could they wanted to take half a day if they loved the data, loved the numbers, get under it, discuss it out. Let's take some time, really get under the hood. Awesome. The nurses, you know, if you could get them off the floor for 15 minutes at a time, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so the approaches had to be dramatically different. So how can we chunk it down into little bite-sized mm. bits that we spread over, you know, an extended period of time versus let's get everyone in the room at the same time and nut it out, you know, and so there's practicalities or, you know, are we all in the same site? Well, my team's spread all over the state mm. or the country or something, so we're going to have to do it a different way. Is that a roadshow? Is that virtual? Is that, you know, there's lots of options yeah. potentially. But yeah. We're getting them involved. And also I think it's because the way we do this culture work, we want it to reflect the kind of culture we want to build. Yes. So you want people to be involved, empowered. You know, we're listening to their thoughts and opinions. We're bringing them along on the journey with us. Right? If that's having the, a bit of creativity as we do it. We're we clear about our expectation in terms of this is what I need, this is what I need from you, is, you know, and the recognition of it, yeah. You know. How do you role model it? Absolutely. So we reflect what we want to do. On that point as well, sorry, I just triggered a thought yeah. as we were going. Sometimes we talk about these groups. So we've got these people from across the organization who are, you know, maybe going to get some some extra explanation around culture and stuff like that. Da, da, da. Leaders are still responsible. Mm, mm. The leaders are still responsible for their departments, their teams, you know, all of that. So it's now to outsource responsibility. But we want this group to help support yes. leaders. Yeah, and so for me it's been clear about that too. As the leader, you are ultimately responsible. Yes. We have these people you know, and they can support you. Who can support you to do that? But they're not going to do it for you. But they're not there to do it for you. Yeah, they're extra legs to help create the stuff. You know, the group of the willing to help that. guide. You know, and even call the leaders and go. Actually, you know, this is your gig. I'm here to help you. Here's some stuff. I'll stand and I've got your back, and I want you to. I need you or this is what the expectation is for the leader. So if you take off Sean's stuff, the CEO is sending the message, you need that. CEO is saying, leader, Dom, you know, you're the general manager. You've got to do this within your area. And there's Fiona and Lucy who are going to help you 
with that. So yeah. have a, the three yeah. of you work out how you want to do that. Yeah. I'm expecting as the CEO, Dom, that you'll be the one taking the direction around that. Yeah, for sure, which goes the same for if you are the HR team or the people in the team as well, right? Yeah. We can't do it for you. It doesn't work that way. It's like going to the um, personal trainer. They can give you the <laughs> the regime, but you've got to go in and lift you've the weights. You've got to do it, yeah. You know, or run the treadmill or whatever it is. You can set the program in HR and you can set some of the direction based on that stuff, but I can't. You know, it's not your gig to change all the stuff. You can. You know, how do you create? The, and that's why you need. So you need the posse because you've got to generate that energy, generate that support, get a greater understanding of it. You know, this is what it looks like. This is what it sounds like. What do you want it to feel like? All those sorts of things. And I think, you know, as a, as a sort of final thought on that, you talked about the momentum and I think that's really what it's about. You know, mm. culture is a momentum game. If we're going to change the culture, you've got to create a bit of a wave mm. for it, right, a bit of momentum. And I think by eliciting support across the organisation, particularly those keen beans who are really up for it. Yeah. That's how you start the wave in motion. And it's a, if I reflect on some of my own practice when I was in an organisation, it's also interesting if I think about, you know, yeah, Fiona, here you go, culture, this is your gig and we started with me and, you know, a couple of other people and then two years in when we came to do retest and I ran some information sort of workshops and there were, I had, you know, we generally recruited about, about 30 people who were super interested and they went out and then they helped brief mm. the rest of the organisation mm-hmm. about what was coming up for the retest and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's the other power of that group, particularly if you're the practitioner that's got the lead of it at the beginning. At the beginning, it just feels like you. And then two years later and you look around and you go, wow, there are all these other people True. that you may have, who may have come along willingly. You might have, con- you know, not conscripted, <laughs> probably not the right word. You may have influenced and, and got you know, half a dozen to start with and that momentum check as you go, well, here we are two years later and I've now got 30 and I didn't get all of them, but they've got... That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. And that's when it is sustainable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, it doesn't just hang on Fiona. It hangs on. No, that's right. Yeah, and there's other people. So if I fall over, there's other people that can do it, you know, and that's the key to culture change because we know it takes so much time is how do you keep it... Sustaining. Yeah. Great point. Go out, build, build your alliance, build your <laughs> posse, whatever we want to call it. Yeah. Right, it's so valuable. Right, yeah. get those keen beans, get yeah. them involved. Right, reflect the kind of culture you want and the way you go about it. That's the key. Be clear about what you need and what you want from them, and don't ever stop thanking them enough. Great final point. All right, Fee, thanks for that. No worries, Dom. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia. All rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au. Thank you.